0: Hello, and welcome to My Life in Three Songs, a podcast presented by The Daily Emerald. My name is Riley, and each week I talk with a different member of Oregon faculty discussing the three songs that changed their life. This week, I'm talking to music producer Lance Miller. Before we get into any of the music, will you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and how you ended up at University of Oregon?
1: It's a, it's a sordid tale. Uh... Grown up in Portland and played in a lot of bands and uh, did the music scene for a long time. Eventually left Portland for Eugene because we had small kids and wanted to raise them in a different environment. And kind of stumbled upon the job at the university uh, where they needed a recording engineer to do audio production and record concerts and things like that, kind of fell into that 25 years ago, and I haven't
0: left since. I mean, already I'm fascinated. I want to hear all about the bands you were in, as much as you're willing to say. Can you at least give us the, the band names or the titles you guys went by?
1: Probably the best band, that, um, the most popular band I was in, we were called Picture Parade. And we were from about 84 to about 87. <clears throat> and then uh, we kicked the bass player out and changed the name. Uh, Then I played in a few other bands like the Curious Spurs, Uh, there was a band called Quality Pie which was very much like the Chili Peppers, just all sorts of stuff and we were all, you know, it's it's at a time when bands in Portland or anywhere really could still, you know, make some money and could still like get the attention of record labels, although nowadays with the internet, we would have killed for the internet back in those days, you know.
0: Okay, so were you guys like glam or new wave? You were talking about the hairstyle and the makeup, what was the sound? We were kind of dance music, but we, we we thought we were
1: really smart and we thought we were really cool. And so we, we, we tried to out-cool ourselves a lot. And um, the hair was long and, and there were lots of mullets and there was lots of makeup. And it's like, well, of course we wear makeup. Everybody wore makeup, right? It was just the thing. Every, everybody did all the things that we, we were doing. We, we all wore makeup. We all, you know, had more makeup and jewelry than our girlfriends did. And it was just, it was just the, the way the 80s were. and it, And it was great. It was great. It was a great scene. You could go on a given night in Portland and you go to a club where you'd see something like the Wipers, a rock punk band, and then walk over and see the Dan Reed Network at the Key Largo. And they were like if you took Prince and crossed them with like, I don't know, level 42, you'd get you'd get Dan Reed Network. And they were the prettiest band and they had they had more makeup than anybody. And they were so good. And then you'd walk to the next club and it'd be an entirely different thing,
0: you know? So, so you're into music production now. Were, were you guys self-produced back then? Would you produce your own recordings?
1: Yeah, we were, and that's kind of how I got started in this. As it was, as we would go to the studio, and I'd think, God, this is really great. The studio is awesome. Like, we can make it sound just like we should sound, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I found myself like sitting next to the head engineer at the end of a session, and being like, Hey, would you mind if I just? Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, Do you want to do it? I'm like, Yeah, I want to do it. And so I kind of take over, you know. I found that out and
0: thought, well, you know, I'm good at that.
1: So I'm going to keep doing it.
0: Do you have an opinion on when production quality peaked? Like what decade is your favorite in terms of production? Seventies,
1: seventies and early eighties. Yeah, there was some unbelievable, really, really creative stuff going on um, in that time period into the eighties and start of the nineties. Got into the compression wars, which I don't really, you know, I'm not much a fan of where things just everything had to be louder than everything else, you know, and you had bands like, oh, God, Evanescence and Blink-182 and bands like that, you know. And so, yeah, 70s and 80s were were it. it. But there's, there's still, you know, there's great production. I mean, you listen to bands like Radiohead and their production is like unbelievably good.
0: And I can't wait to talk with you about Radiohead. We'll get into that later. One of my favorite bands, and we I think we both have a lot to say about that. But in the meantime, uh, speaking of the tasteful 70s, will you tell us a little bit about the first song you chose? Five Years
1: by David Bowie, yeah. For me, David, that album Ziggy Stardust—actually, the rise of Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars. No, the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars. It's always a trick question in my first quiz of my of my class. Like, what's the full title? Uh, Is um, you know, for me, that album represented what a lot of people who felt like out of sorts with the world and displaced, kind of, you know, it wasn't really emo. But there was something about it, about him portraying this alien who came back to earth to save the world with rock and roll. It's like, okay. But the the way he did it and the way he portrayed it and, and, and reading a book about the engineer who engineered all of his albums, his first like four albums, he said that Bowie would come in to do a song, a track, and he would do it in one take, almost every single time. And by the end of that song, He's, he's crying. You can hear him crying and screaming at the end of the song. And that got me so much. It was like, I didn't know why I was emotional about it, but I was because it was like, he, you could tell that he really, honest to God, felt it. And the song is beautifully mixed. There's a strings in there. There's just this, this lusciousness to it, but there's this like dirt and anger underneath it that really fuel it.
0: Beautiful stuff. I'm interested in your opinion on remasters because this has been a thing recently. Obviously, a lot of the Bowie catalog has gone through that. What do you have to say on that topic? I
1: honestly think it's great. I think I think remixes versus remasters. Like they remixed um, Sgt. Pepper's. It lost it lost all its dirt. It lost all its it lost all its character. It, it became really sterile and clean. It's really pretty. It's really beautifully done. But I felt like it just kind of lost its um, its essence.
0: It is an art form. Definitely an overlooked art form too. I think these days. All right. Will you tell us a little bit about Song 2?
1: Oh, Stevie Wonder, man. Stevie Wonder changed my life. When I first heard Songs in the Key of Life when I was a senior in high school, I just was like, I had never heard anything like it before. And it just blew my mind. And then the next year, maybe actually, that album was actually before Songs in the Key of Life, Intervisions. Visions. So that song was a college album for me, Intervisions. Visions. I played that album to death to the chagrin of my roommates. They were like, God, turn that off. Will you please turn that off? I hear Boogie on Reggae Woman one more time and they, but that song to me has, um, it's just powerful and and I'm, a, I'm also a singer and so I listened to that and thought, God, the vocal is so big and so rich and deep and I, and I would often try to sing along to that song and you just can't do it, you know, I mean, I hit the notes, but that's not the same thing, right? And you listen to somebody who can, who can just so effortlessly do this thing where they hit these lines and they hit these notes that are so high like that last all you all is fair and love that last love and he doesn't vibrato that note and he holds that thing in just perfect pitch for so long and you're just like oh my god how do you do that you know what i mean and it was also just you know it's We're in college, you're having it's trying times. You're, you know, you're broke, you're trying to do your thing, you're trying to learn how to write music, you're whatever it is you're trying to do, trying to learn how to write blogs for, you know, Rolling Stone or whatever. And, and you find that song that takes you back to that time. And it was a developmental time for me because I was just in my very first bands, which were god awful, terrible, terrible, terrible bands, just so bad. Um Unfortunately, I even have recordings of, and it 's just like no one will ever see them ever ever um but it was a time when I was really trying to you know grow and and it 's like, I want to be a rock star, man. I really do I want to be a rock star they're hard jobs to get apparently because <laughs> i couldn 't get
0: one Do you have uh tips on how to record vocals and like how to get a good vocal take from someone oh man that
1: 's hard that's because it 's the soul of the song, right. It's like anything, any song you hear, you may go, oh, that's good guitar. solo," that's a good drum track, whatever. But the vocalist is the is the key. And it's a matter. It's like the same thing about making them feel comfortable in the studio, making your band, you know, um, making the singer just like relax and work their way through it. And, and if they're really aggressive and whatever, trying to get that aggression out of them, you know, try to try to try to whatever the song is, it's your job to be like, OK, I'm going to make that vocal just kill. I'm going to make it so good when people hear it, they'll just be like, where did that performance come from, you know? And for Stevie, that performance is like, I mean, come on, man. So it's, vocals are really hard. I have a daughter who's a, a performer, and she's, she studied musical theater, so she's got a huge voice, right? She's got one of those big, like, can fill an arena by itself kind of voices. So for her, it was always like, how do you pull things back? say what you want to say in the song without blowing things up right all right song three radiohead big moment i'd kind of listened to their first album a little bit and was like yeah it's pretty good you know creep was great whatever and there's something about the guitar line in that song the bends where it goes into that riff after the after the last breakdown i wish i could be happy i wish i wish i wish that something would happen did that build up and i was like the first time i listened to that i went oh my god and it hits that thing and then it goes into the solo and it just kind of blew my mind it was like i loved that the instant i heard it and i thought you know people say they say what's your favorite radiohead album and i say oh it's the Bends by far they're like what right that's a hot take not okay computer not kid a like no not even close man radiohead uh had a huge impact on me it had a huge impact on my production because i just i started listening to everything nigel godrich did nigel godrich is like He's so good, but it's funny he's a really good producer, but he's also a better producer with Radiohead than he is with anybody else because they have some sort of
0: symbiotic thing going on with it the,
1: between them you know
0: well, so this is actually exactly what I was going to say because people say he's like the sixth member of Radiohead, kind of like the George Martin thing with the Beatles and they he also they also work with Stanley Donwood, like the artist for every album after, you know, I think after OK Computer. So I, I was going to ask you about what it means to be like an artistic team like that, aside from just, you know, the four or five members who are playing the actual instruments, then you got the people in the studio and the people who are making the artwork. Do you think there's something important about that history and that chemistry that you build up over time? Yeah, absolutely. If you can have people that work together
1: well like that and create create a, a thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you got a guy who's an artist who doesn't work and, and you, you can contribute his vision to your
0: vision and you can make it something that's better for both of you, absolutely. Those are some great song choices, a great range. I love that you appreciate punk and classical and equal measures. I think that's a sign of an open mind, and that's always really good. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Hey, That's
1: stay in touch, man. It was great talking to you. Thank you for listening to my conversation with
0: Lance Miller. You can find a playlist with all the songs from this episode as well as all the others in the episode description see you next week